podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Walk Pod. Good to have you all along with us. I'm Ollie Kay, and I'm joined by my co-host Ian. How are you getting on, Ian? Super, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. I'm delighted that international break is now finally over. And with us, as always, is producer Matt. How are you getting on, Matt? Yeah, I'm I'm doing really well, thanks, Ollie. I'm chomping at the bit to get to the uh, game on Saturday. Really looking forward to it. Aye, well, you're sitting right behind me, aren't you? That'll be nice, seeing a familiar face at the game. uh, I'll give you a slap on the head if we score. Oh, yeah, please do. Well, let's jump straight in and have a look back at all the news around Kenilworth Road this past week in our new segment, I Heard It Through Rowan's Grapevine. So this is why I hate international break, just because there isn't much going on. But nonetheless, action's still happening in League One and League Two. And Joe Taylor is absolutely smashing it for Colchester in League Two. He currently has five goals in seven games. He's still only 20 years old and things are looking very good for Joe. Are they not, Ian? Yeah, uh, I think I tweeted about it again on Saturday. A well-taken goal as well on Saturday. Um Pull it away really nicely. Um, good ball through to him. I, I rave about him at every opportunity. Uh, I really like the lad. Um, and I, I was I sat thinking on Saturday after he scored that goal. I think he's going to have a big future for us, but I don't know how and where and when and how long that's going to be. And I was thinking, is it going to be because we're going to get relegated and we're going to be in the championship and being in around that? I don't know. But I just think he'll have a good future for us. And uh, it's great to see him doing really well. Um, and great to see him scoring. Yeah, well, we discussed this before, haven't we? That we both agreed that League Two was a step too far down for him. But you, you cannot deny that scoring a fuck ton of goals is only going to do wonders for his confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I think he'll get better and better. I've noticed he's been subbed off um, around the 70th minute in the games that he hasn't scored in. It seems a bit of an odd one, whether it's just a fitness thing, I don't know, or they just wanted something different. But Well, the way he yeah, plays, it, he it, runs himself into the ground. He He's like, he's a pace merchant. We saw that a lot. I he think, likes to, he's like a Michael Owen type player. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that we um, have seen in the feedback from Collier fans is that he's a pressing machine. He never stops running, um, which is, again, it's kind of been the Luton way over the last few years. So, again, good to see. And obviously, they're, they're all chirping up, thinking that they want him permanently in January. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? No, it's not. It's not going to happen. You were saying, like, you don't know where his future lies. I think it, it does solidly lie with us because after a season in the Premier League, people in our in our squad might get picked up by bigger fish. 
they might want to move on because they they feel oh look I've, I've done it and also other bigger championship teams might pick them up because they they sort of see Carlton Morris as a cheat code for the championship so like a bigger team that's struggling for goals will will want to want to grab our players and also Joe Taylor he sort of gives us a different dimension with that that pace on the shoulder of the last was, defender I was just about to say exactly the same thing we haven't kind of got that at the moment although Corley can do it a little bit I think Joe Taylor does it really really well and he times his runs really well as well like you say that the, the pace off the last defender it's I think at least a couple of his goals this season have been that he's just timed it well and, and he's been through on goal so we don't really have that at the moment so but in terms of where where, where I see him at Luton obviously he's is way ahead of Peppel and, and players like that. So, and, and is he ahead of McAtee? I don't know. Difficult. They're both chomping at the bit, aren't they? Um, but yeah, bright future. Uh, of, of hope, obviously, I hope it's with us, but um, I think he'll have a, a bright future in the game. And I think quite a few of the Luton fans have got got the price, which I think it was 60 to 1 to be the top goal scorer in League 2 this season. Uh, it was that's 66 a hell of a price. to 1. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a few Luton fans saw that price and thought that, yeah, brilliant price. A few Luton fans saw that and thought, you know, that's a that's a great price. And took, I think Dan um, actually took up the offer on that as well. So see him getting close to that. Oh, yeah, very much so. And because he's only 20, am I sort of jumping the gun here? But a good season in League Two and being on the books of a Premier League team, is there a chance that he could get a call up to the England under twenty one squad? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it is jumping the gun a little bit. And plus given who's in the England under twenty one squad at the moment. But go back to the League Two thing, uh, he should never have gotten onto League Two. We said this before. I think no, you're right. you know, it'd be more likely to, to 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 have been in and around any England squad if um if he was in League One or or, or or even above, so yeah, I don't know if it was there was no one else sniffing around or it was just a you know rush decision. But I always felt like he should have gone League One for me. Well, it's done now, and to be fair, if he's ab- still absolutely smashing it come December, it's very possible that we will recall him and put him out somewhere else, possibly in League One for January. Although I'm sure Colchester United and the fans will be very, very upset that they're losing their goal machine. Everton tickets went on sale as of recording today, Tuesday. And uh, people are coming to terms with the way that they're getting distributed now. The Diamonds and the executive members get first pickings. And uh, I actually haven't looked at when they go on sale to season ticket holders. It's, It's one of those things that people continually gripe about and it grinds a few gears there everton's not one that i'm going to because i don't really do the the long haul away days but that that's up in your neck of the woods ian are you looking to go to that one yeah i think it's one where we're looking at going to um it was it was my first game actually um back in the late 80s everton away um so it'd be nice to tie that up with our first season back in the premier league Going back to the ticket distribution, you know, we've said it before. I don't think there's a much fairer way of doing it. People are going to be disappointed, of course. Having said that, I don't get the whole ticket allocation thing. I know it's in and around 3,000, but how comes it's just under 3,000 for Everton? I don't understand that. Why is it not a minimum of 3,000? 
No, I, well, I can't. I can't say I know. I think it's the ten percent. It's ten percent of their their the ground. Uh, producer Matt is shaking his head. Um, don't don't is, they hold? Doesn't Goodison Park hold more, more than that? Goodison's thirty nine five seven two. Right, so it's that's more. That's less than ten percent then. What? So what? I don't get that. I don't get why how that's come about unless they've segregated some of the standoff. It doesn't make any sense. It's just like such a grey area. Unless there's something I'm missing, I don't know. But it's just not black and white. Um, and I know it's not a massive, I think it's something like 50 tickets or something, but that's 50 extra happy people, right? And I know some of the games have been over the 3,000 marks. So you've had 3,040 odd or whatever. Well, there's a further sales yeah. plan on the 18th. Matt, can you tell us a bit about how that is staggered? Uh, yeah, the, it's going to probably be the same as the other ticket allocations. So basically in the first sale, they have Diamond, Exec, Away tickets. And then when they release the further plan, it then goes to season ticket holders with seven previous purchases, Away tickets from the previous season. And then it will kind of go down from there based on tickets bought in the previous season. Then it will reach season ticket holders and Hatters members with previous season tickets purchased. Well, there are going to be a lot of disappointed people come the 18th anyway, because a lot of fans want to go to Goodison Park. And in my opinion, it could be one of the few places where Luton Town go this season and go home with three points. And that opinion is probably shared by a lot of other Hatters as well. I th- yeah, I think you've got to be targeting. And no disrespect to Everton, but they've been on a bad run of form for quite a long time now. And if any of the teams that are down the bottom end of the division aren't target, trying to target points at other teams down the other end of the division, then you know I don't know what you're thinking. It's not a disrespectful thing; it's a common sense thing. Um, you know they're down there; they haven't been doing very well. And from actually watching their games this season. Um, makes me think that we could actually take something from it, to be honest. Oh, very much so. They, they have they, a great manager have in Sean Dyche, but the players recruited well, are, not, are not Dyche players. I, no, and I don't know how it goes under the radar. I mean, I know we've had a lot of stick because we're the, the new fish in the pond, but they have been so much more dire than we've been. They have been absolutely terrible. And I don't mind if Everton fans shoot me down for that, but they they have been a completely different class of, of quality compared to us. Um, they've been terrible. Um, and it's a good job we didn't go for Ashley Young because, it, again, he's been absolutely terrible as well. It gave me some hope watching some of the games that they've, they've played in. So, Yeah, well, the, the aim of our season is literally to finish above three worse teams than us. But I must say, I do like the look of that player that they signed, Beto. He's a handful. He gets into positions. He'll be He'll be... A tricky one to handle for our defence because he's very busy. Moving on to Glenn Ray, the club released a 30-minute farewell interview with Glenda. And personally, I don't think he'll be farewell for long. We discussed this in the last podcast. He will be back in some capacity, possibly as a coach. But I feel he's not ready to call time yet on his football career. He still has minutes in the legs. And it it was a very emotional interview. Yeah, I'm really glad that they actually did that video because I think I felt that 
with him leaving, it was a little bit of a damp squib because because he hadn't played for us for so long. Obviously, everybody remembers that how far along the journey he's been with us, but that just brought brought through some memories of his time with us and showed how much he meant to the club. Um, I said it, I said it on a few podcasts ago that he was. Um, I think he was injured at the time. Then actually, I'd, although he'd been fit for most of the season, the the League One campaign and it was the Burton away game. And we we should have been champ- champions on that game, but he came in the car park in his car and just leaning out the window sh- singing hat songs, and that just epitomised what he was like for Luton. You know, we've seen lots of videos over the last week or so of him singing songs. You know, the thirty points, etc. And you know, he said, you know, Luton's in his blood now. He'll still come watch us, and he was in the Luton end for the Brighton match. Even though he's a Brighton fan, so it just shows you what kind of effect this football club can have on the newcomers into it, you know, him, Danny Hilton, and, and possibly more from that crop of of uh, of players from that era that will will be lifelong hatters now. So, I, but again, I hope that, you know, he can get something, whether it's playing football again or coaching or something and, and finish his career strongly because he deserves it. He really does. And um, on the, on the Luton Town subreddit, uh, we actually had a comment underneath, um, his farewell interview from a long-term poster on the Luton Town subreddit called Hedonistic Vibrations, who was actually Glenn Ray's neighbour. And I'll read this out. It's a phenomenal story. Sad to see him go. Glenn was actually my neighbour for a good while through the various COVID lockdowns. I would often see him doing his training regime in the garden, going through various lockdowns, and was he was always delighted to speak to a Luton fan about things during that time. We hadn't actually spoken before then, as I was keen to ensure I wasn't infringing on his home life, as I'm a bit of a shy person. But he saw me out running one day in my Luton shirt, and he practically chased me down the street to say hello. I was absolutely delighted, and he was also delighted to have a Luton Town fan living next to him. I vividly remember on the day of the first game post-lockdown against Preston, seeing him drive off to the game that morning, not being able to go myself, and he wound down his window and had a decent chat, socially distanced of course, about how I was going to watch, and if I had a cardboard cutout at the stadium that he could look out for. The night of the Blackburn game, he sought me out after having come home to have a beer. When he signed his new contract to the end of that season, I was absolutely delighted for him, as he was desperate to stay as he loved it here so much. Absolutely outstanding bloke, and a big, perhaps underrated part of our rise through the leagues. He was a leader off the pitch during the League One win, and through the championship, and his return from injury was a massive part of us staying up. I'm I'm done reading now. For me, Glenn Ray was as big a reason that we stayed up as Nathan Jones coming back. Yeah, and you know, and that's partly to do with how much more Nathan Jones could get out of him as well, but... He, he was he was a massive reason we stayed up. We all remember after after we did stay up, the anxiety levels. Is he going to sign a new contract or isn't he? And clearly he was going to. And yeah, it's just uh, a great part of our history. A great player for Luton, on and off the pitch. His character as well, completely gets the club, which always helps when you uh, you look back at past players. He's certainly not going to be one of these players that we just forget about. It's just another name. It's just a, a 
a member of the hat or our lower quiz that we do at the end of the show. You know, he's not just going to be that. He'll, he'll certainly be one of the, I wouldn't say majorly iconic players, but he's always going to be in that area, if that makes sense. And and I appreciate that's always a, a contentious uh, thing to talk about when we talk about icons and legends, but we always look really far back in our history when we do that. But over the last six or seven years, we've created loads of these ourselves. So, And he's one of them. I wouldn't say he's a, he's a major legend, but he's certainly in and around that area for me. I would say he is a modern-day Luton icon. He played 207 times for us. That's significant. There aren't that many players yeah. in the modern era that have played more than 200 times for us. James Collins didn't play more than 200 times for us. And... He will be remembered very fondly. It's just a shame that he had persistent injury problems that sort of took away his momentum. But we'll always have League Two. We'll always have the first half of League One. I remember when he got injured in League One and potentially he did himself more harm by refusing to come off after his initial injury uh, until eventually he was just stretched off because there was no other option. And yeah, he'll be remembered fondly by by loads of Luton fans. I know he'll he'll be back. He definitely will be back. In other news, international break is finally over. Chidozi Ogbeni played against France and Netherlands. He was voted as the Republic of Ireland's man the match against France, and it was a very encouraging performance from Chio. Unfortunately, though, it was still back to back defeats for the Republic of Ireland. Um, whereas Amari Bell had a very good performance in Jamaica's 1-0 victory against Honduras and as of recording he's playing Haiti Wednesday in the early mornings is he cutting it fine to get back Ian? Yeah potentially he's cutting it fine with the amount of games that he's playing uh, Bell but we spoke about that at length before Um, just have to see how how he gets on and see if he gets it back or not tight one isn't it Hopefully we've got some cover back now as well with the with the break. Hopefully that's coming in our favour, so he might get he might get a week off. Yeah, well, we'll have to see about the lineup for Jamaica, but I'd imagine that he would be playing because he's quite a vital player for them. For example, Izakabore played ninety minutes for Burkina Faso against Eswatini, but he didn't make the squad for the Morocco friendly. And I don't know whether that's Rob Edwards pulling a Fergie or Man City's orders not to overplay him. Either way, it's great for us because it means Izakabore can make an early uh, departure from the Burkina Faso squad and get back. Whereas Peli Ruddock wasn't amongst the squad for the DR Congo's match against Sudan, although he did meet the British ambassador to the DR Congo and then earlier today came off the bench against South Africa in a friendly got about 30 minutes I would chalk that one up to a wasted trip for Pelly. sure he got his third cap but it's a bit of a piss take to have to fly so far around the world just for 30 minutes of game time it seems like uh, an odd decision not to play him um I, w- I would suggest he's probably one of the better players. He certainly was last time I watched him play, and he was he was up against um, Annabel that time as well against Tunisia last time. I think that was his first cap, and he performed really really well. Uh, wasn't surprised he got another call up. Thought he, he would have been starting at least one of the games, but he he wasn't. I suppose the experience and a change of scenery is 
is all great for his progression and integration into the the national team, and hopefully it'll come. He doesn't have any divine right just to just to start because um, he's now a Premier League player, I guess. But um, I'd have liked to have seen him get some more time, but he didn't. So at least he got some. That's always yeah. a positive. Well, one player as well who didn't get any minutes was Thomas Kaminsky, who is on the bench for Belgium for both their matches. It's a bit of a shame that he isn't first choice, considering Thibaut Courtois has a long-term injury. But I guess that is what it is, was, and the Belgian manager has his yeah, decisions to make. I was surprised by that one, because um, the who they did pick first choice hasn't started any games for Wolfsburg this year, has he? I don't think. So he hasn't really had any game time. Um, I would have thought they would have given him, a, a Kaminsky, the nod. Um, the other chap's name escapes me now, but I think he's only had Castiles. one cap for, for Belgium. That's it, Castiles, yeah. And he's only had one cap, and he hasn't played for, for Wolfsburg this season so far. Um, whereas Kaminsky's done all right for for as you. I thought he would have uh, potentially gone ahead of him, and I was kind of expecting that, but didn't happen. Um, but he's in the squad, and, you know, for the amount of years we've had um, not very good keepers in lots of different leagues from different backgrounds and now we've got you know someone that sat on the bench for Belgium you know potentially on the cusp of number one so it's just it's a lot of getting used to put it that way the mind you know, boggles doesn't it it does I mean we're listening speaking about all these international players that are out on duty and it's it's just crazy. I remember way back when that um, I can't remember if it was Euros or the World Cup, and we hadn't had an international for quite a while. Oh well, it seemed it seemed like that way because I was a child. But and uh, Guanchev came on for Bulgaria um, as a substitute, um, and I just remember thinking it's such an amazing thing because obviously all my school friends and stuff weren't necessarily Luton Town fans. Um, and they're all Man United fans or Tottenham fans or Arsenal fans. Um, and to see an international come on, it was great. And now we've got quite a few. But that moment will always stick in my mind. Gonchev coming on as a substitute for Bulgaria. Had the right game as well. Cracking penalty taker. And he also had a fantastic mullet, if memory serves. But yes, that's have. all the news from around Kenilworth Road and the Globe this week. Now it's time for Discord and Telegram questions. Okay, yeah, we've got some really good questions this week that have come in from across all of our social media platforms. Um, I'll start with some from Discord. Uh, we had Pure Loon on Discord who said, does Mengi start when fit? Ian? No, is the short answer. No, I don't think he does because obviously he needs to integrate into the team slowly. I don't think that he's way above anybody else at the moment. Um Again, it all depends on injuries and 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 Bell and and whatnot. And uh, if Lockie is back, which I think he will be, um, but I don't think he takes someone's place automatically. No. Okay, and Ollie, I disagree with Ian because I think if Bell does play that early morning game on Wednesday, if Mengi's fit, Mengi should start in place of Bell because Bell's just been gallivanting all over the globe. He's got to be absolutely gassed right now so yeah if Mengi's fit Mengi should start you know we say that and we we said this in the the previous pod to the last game Bell actually probably had his best game of the season that game he didn't look as gassed 
He looked decent, to be fair. So I don't know if he just had a, a slow adaptation to the Premier League, and I know he's not going to be fully adapted, but I thought he played really, really well, personally. And I didn't see any evidence to suggest he was gassed, even though I said previously I'd seen some of that. Maybe it was just a, a slow burner in, in, in terms of getting up to speed in the Premier League. I don't know. What did you think to his, his last performance, Bell? I, I thought he was good last performance, but he wasn't. He got caught onto the bell for the Bowen opener. And other than that, he wasn't really tested in the air, uh, I don't think. he's He was great on in, in the foot duels between him and Mikel Antonio. But Fulham's going to be a completely different ball game in the sense that you have Raul Jimenez, who's a threat in the air. So there will be a lot of crosses coming in from their, their fullbacks, from, from their wingers. Uh, yes, they'll have wingers running at the defence, so you need the pace, you need the height as well to counteract Raul Jimenez. So uh, I have a feeling like uh, Amari Bell, he, he's not the tallest, he does get caught under the ball, we saw it against Brighton, we saw it um, saw it against West Ham, I can't remember if we saw it against Chelsea. If, if, he's, if he's not 100%, yeah, you shouldn't start, like Mengi could start, in, in my opinion. Valid points, valid points. Okay, the next question is from Andrew Stockley on Telegram. They said, do you think Corley Woodrow will have a big part to play this season? Ollie. Now, it's a shame that Corley has had to fall down the pecking order because we brought in Chio and we brought in Jacob Brown. But I think whenever Corley's come on this season, he's actually, he's looked really decent. I know it was only against uh, Gillingham in the Cup, but I thought he took that goal sensationally well. He is... Uh, I think it was Ian that said he is one of the best finishers that we have at our club. Unfortunately, he hasn't got the pace that he used to have. He's had injuries of, you know, sort of taken his yard away. But he does think ahead of what's happening. He he sort of has like the force in that sense that he can see what's going to happen. He can can dart in even even though he hasn't got that yard of pace and sort of, nick a ball away take a have a nice little touch they'll take it away from a defender have a nice little pass that will unlock a defense so i think he will have a big part to play this season but from the bench before i pass it over to ian i don't think it was just ian that said he's the best finisher i believe in one of the club interviews it was actually the Town players that also said he's the best finisher over to you ian yeah he is a good finisher um it's a difficult one with with corley um and and the thing is with with Robin, it's fair play to him. He, he he does select on ability and what they've shown in games. And and Ollie is right. Corley has looked really really decent when he has come on. But I think his potentially his his actual assets are probably a negative for him because what he gives us in what he gives us in something different isn't actually needed in all of the games so I think he'll be selected in certain games for me he, he's very good and he's very clever at unlocking space because like Ollie says he has lost his pace a bit so he's had to adapt a little bit he's great at taking a first touch and creating a bit of space he's great at getting in between two players finding a touch and maybe putting it on I think he'll be used sparingly across the season for me in certain games where it'll allow us to do that and I think that's what he will be used for basically I'd just like to add to that. I don't think Cawley will mind being a bit part player, as we both suggested, because when he was getting relegated with Barnsley to League One, I don't think that he could have 
conceived in his wildest dreams that he the next season he'd be playing Premier League football with Luton Town. So I don't think Corley minds one bit. And he just signs a new contract. So it's all smiles and rainbows right now. No, and, and to add to that, like you say, he he will be really happy with that because he loves being back at Luton. He said that in in numerous interviews now. I think he's just happy to be in you know the best league in the world as it is, um, playing for essentially what's his his hometown club. Um, he'd be more than happy with that. I think. Yeah, it's um, all like Luke Berry, isn't it? What, exactly. Yeah, I fucking love Luke Berry. What a guy. What a player. He's he's looked really good as well in in the games that he's come on this season. I bet a lot of people wouldn't have seen him playing as many minutes this season as he has done. Okay, the next question is from Jeff from Telegram. They said, what tactics does Rob have to use to motivate the team off of the three back-to-back defeats? He said, obviously, he can't just say things are going to change. Ian? They don't need any fucking motivation. They are motivated. They they put in so much effort. The only, the only thing he needs to do with them, when we said this in the podcast last time, is just take their mind off it a little bit. Just, um, just build a little bit of of team camaraderie up again. Um, they don't need any more motivation. They're playing in the Premier League. They're all motivated. They all want to do well for Luton. You know, we're not fifteen twenty games into the season. He's not gonna. He's not got to pick them up off their knees. Um, they're gonna enjoy every single game. So. Yeah, no, I don't think motivation's an issue at all. I don't know where that's come from, to be honest. Ollie, anything to add? Yeah, well, I completely agree with that. Unfortunately, Pelly ain't there with the Uno deck because he's God knows where with DR Congo. I feel all they need to do is just look at everyone writing them off because they're in the Premier League on merit. Every single player in that squad, and they need to remember that. That's all. And maybe they can pin up a printout of what Garth Crook said. That will help. Okay, the next question is from JT from Discord. Similar to a previous question, they said, should Lakonga come straight into the starting 11, Ollie? No, I don't think so. He needs time to acclimatise. It's it's not a case of, like, does Mengi start? Because defence is, is where we lack depth, whereas in midfield, I feel what we currently have works potentially we need to slowly change the the midfield lineup to slowly integrate Lukonga. sure he, he probably feels like he should be starting because he's come on loan from arsenal he has pedigree but no i think he'll need to come in and sort of work his way into the team slowly off the bench okay and ian yeah, again, um, I'm with Ollie on that one. I don't think he comes straight in. I think the midfield three that we've got there are heading in the right direction. Obviously, some people would straight away highlight Barkley's fitness. That's only going to come with games, so we're not going to take him out. His quality is evident. His output is evident. Um, he just needs to get up to speed and go say bye to the fans after the game to stop people moaning. But I think we'll, we stick with the, the midfield three for me. Maybe rotate towards the latter part of the game, but and you know edge people in but other than that okay next question's from hi from discord they said given everything they've achieved where do 2020 rank in the top owners in the club football chart ian in our club's football chart it's not hard is it um or do you mean in the uk I, I, in general i believe the question was aimed at 
UK in general, Premier yeah. League in general. It's hard not to be biased in this situation, but then if you take everything into account, i.e. money spent, money invested into the club, yeah, we have invested some money over the years, but not, you know, massive amount. You've got to look at the teams like Brighton, Norwich over the years that have invested into their infrastructure, Brentford and Bournemouth, although they've had some heavy investment, I know they've done really well with their recruitment strategy and made lots of money as well and reinvested that, but I think from a a bare bones kind of shoestring budget, no heavy investors. How can you not put us at the top of that league? I don't. I don't see who else. Apart from again, Tottenham do all right. They don't invest loads of money. They're always at the kind of at the top end. And again, they've they've increased their infrastructure with the training ground and the new ground and the new stadium stuff. Yeah, of course they haven't won anything, but have they kind of done it the right way? I don't know. For me shoot me down for being biased I guess but um, I, I can't name a bet, better owner of a club in the UK than than LTFC 2020 not and not just on the way they've run a club as well but the from a moral standpoint um, you know being the first club to pay a living wage not taking betting money all around good morals really before I pass over to Ollie, I would just love to say I would love Daniel Levy to come give us £150 million this season specifically for transfers. Ollie, over to you. Well, who who do you reckon we can flog to Daniel Levy for £150 million? Elijah Adebayo, he's worth, he's worth that. Bim Peppel. Yeah, we'll sell Peppel. Canadian imports. Now, I don't think that when it comes to ranking uh, owners in national international football i don't think it can be it it can't be accounted by how much money someone's put into the club look at bristol city their owner has put in hundreds and hundreds of millions into that club and where are they i haven't even bothered checking the championship table they have gone backwards as a club over the past five years it's simply put about the morals the ethics, I don't know if morals and ethics, they're, they're tied very closely together. Where 2020 came in to Luton Town and the states that the club were in, it, it was reported at the time the club was literally on its knees. The club could have gone out of existence very easily. They came in, they took us out of administration. Now, this was a club that had three administrations in a decade unprecedented absolutely unprecedented at the time and they've come in they've steadied and that was with five seasons in the conference where we were not getting solidarity payments from the EFL so they have done a tremendous job they are easily top three I would say the only people that are ahead of them Daniel Levy at Spurs because he's come in and Spurs fans keep complaining all the time about Daniel Levy. But before Daniel Levy came in, they had Alan Sugar and they were literally mid-table nothings in the in the Premier League. They were clinging to past successes in the 60s. Tony Bloom at Brighton, what he's done at Brighton is remarkable. It's on another level. And I know Gary Sweet is is very keen to imitate what he's done there. You know, signing players for six million, selling them for 115. That's just ludicrous. 
And bear in mind, when I was growing up, Brighton were literally hanging on to the, the football league by the skin of their teeth. They were always in the bottom two in in at the time it was Division Four. Always. And then they they just started going the right way up the leagues. Sure that I don't think that was to do with Tony Bloom, but the way he's transformed the club over his time there is tremendous. Uh, so yeah, I'd say 2020 easily top three. Okay, next question is from Liz from the Telegram. They said, a few weeks in a transfer window in, have any of your views changed on who will be likely competing against in a relegation battle? Or is it the same predictions as at the start of the season? Uh, I'll go first on this one. I haven't changed my views of who we're going to be competing against in the uh, relegation battle at all, based on the first few games, first few I've been watching it. My views haven't changed at all. Ian? Not really. I think if the only thing, and I, and I touched on it earlier, who will be bottom, it will be Everton. Very poor. Um, I think uh, Burnley have probably been a little bit unlucky. A bit like us, they've been a little bit unlucky. I don't think those two deserve to be stone last. Um, I think we've we've had some good periods in matches. Um, but the same sort of teams in and around it, you know, Sheffield United, Everton, Burnley, Luton, Crystal Palace maybe at some point. So, no, not really changed for me either. On the Everton note, does it like 777 from Miami are going to be closed on a sale with them? Ollie? I know nothing about 777. They could just turn out to be another really shit owner, just like Farhad Mashiri was, just burn a lot of cash on a lot of shit players. I haven't really changed my opinion about who will be coming up against us in the relegation battle. I thought West Ham would be in and amongst it, but they recruited really smartly. And that changed when they signed James Will Prowse. He's a tremendous replacement for Declan Rice. They've spent that money very well. I feel our next four league games are vital because these are the people that we're going to be up against in the relegation battle. So we got to take points off these people. They're all six-pointers so early in the season. Fulham, Wolves, Everton, Burnley. They are all vital games against people that will be in and around us. And as well as that, Sheffield United. So no, I haven't changed my opinion, really. Okay. Uh, another quick question from Liz. They said, are you guys planning on going to any of the women or dev games in the upcoming season? Ollie? Yeah, I'd love to go to the women's games. Um, my daughter's three and a half. I'd love to take her to those games, mainly because uh, taking her to the Kenny would be a bit daunting with so many people, whereas women games are a bit more tame, fewer people there. And she loves to kick the ball about. So, yeah, I'd love to go there. As for dev games, I honestly don't think I have the time to go to them. But I would love to go to them. Yeah, uh, Yeah, not the women's, but I'm going to the Leeds United dev game. That'll be an interesting, because um, that's up this way. And it, it's, you know, our first time in the under-21s Premier League as well. So that'll be decent. But the women's are coming on nicely over the last few years, actually. So it'll be good. I'd really like to see the the club get a little bit more involved in that. If there's one thing that our friends down the road do quite well, it's with their women's team, I think. Although it, it goes down like a cup of cold sick with their supporters when they're not doing very well. But um, I think that's one thing their club do fairly well. And the last question is from Phil from the Telegram. They said, 
as it's the international break and we're short of current topics, which we're not. We always have topics here on the Walt Pod. Um, they said, who have been the most important strikers in their prime throughout our rise from League Two to the Premier League? Absolute prime. You have to choose two from, for example, Cornick, Morris, Addy, Collins, Hilton. There are other honourable mentions like Elliot Lee and Loire Loire. Ian? Do you mean that partnered together or just two strikers together? Two separate strikers. Two, oh, right. Well, Hilton for sure. Oh, it's hard not to go Hilton Collins, you know. Okay. I'm going to go. Collins did a lot. But I'm going to go Hilton for one. Can't not really. Um, and then I'm going to go Adebayo because that, that season he absolutely slogged himself to get us into the playoffs to the to the state that he was limping coming on for a game against Huddersfield shows his commitment commitment to the course and he was massive for us that season getting us into those playoffs that season I believe gave us that momentum to to get into it this you know last season and now we are where we are so it was a massive contribution from him I'll quickly uh, go in with my two mine would be I think Elliot Lee and Collo just because on the way up which is kind of when I became a fan just seeing them play was Absolutely incredible. Some of the results as we were coming back up the leagues. Uh, Ollie, how about you? Well, we're talking about in their prime, so nothing compares to Danny Hilton in League Two. He was an absolute beast in League Two. It's a shame that he got injured in League One because I feel he didn't come back as the same player he was injured for virtually the whole League One season. And then he came back right at the end of that gasp for survival in the championship. And he looked absolute pony. Like Nathan Jones kept playing him. But then the season after that, so our playoff season, our first playoff season, he scored some vital goals. Like the goal against Derby, the goal against Bristol City. That Those were good, but he wasn't... He wasn't the same Hilton of old, and that that's still the case because I don't know if he's even scored a goal for Northampton. He's been there for over a season now, and I'm also going to go for Kazengaluwa Luwa because in our escape from relegation, he scored probably the most pivotal goal in that run to safety. That goal against Hull, it was ridiculous, and it was absolutely mad that no one was there to experience that. We're all celebrating at home. I did love the uh, Lua Lua Champagne and Ice song. That was one of my favourites over the last few years of our rise, of of which we've had many good songs. But that was one. I felt like it created such a good feeling at games um, and kind of gave us that little more impetus to, to go on. It was just great. You know, that run we went on in League One and he was massive, massive for that. Yeah, what a player. Well, great questions as always. Thank you to everyone for submitting them on Discord and Telegram. Thanks, Matt. We will see you again later. Now, let's talk about some of the monthly giveaways from our sponsors. Beard Surgeon Beard Oil comes in a set with a wide selection of scented oils and moisturizers that you use together. 
Unlike other beard oil companies, Beard Surgeon used cannabis, sativa seed oil as a key ingredient, which supports the skin barrier, strengthens your hair follicles, keeps inflammation at bay, and minimizes breakouts on your skin. It also makes your beard feel and smell excellent. We have a beard oil set to give away this month, which you can check out on our socials. You can also get 15% off your you can also get 15% off on your purchase on Beard Surgeon Oils through their website using the code WALT15. We've also teamed up with Blackstar Amplification, and as our audio partner, we are giving away a Bluetooth Fly 3 amp every month of the season. These Fly 3s sound great. They are also lightweight, they connect to anything, from phones to guitars. So even if you're not a musician, you have a boombox wherever you go. Keep an eye on our socials as we have lots of giveaways going through the month. But Ian, why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? I don't know, Ollie. Why is it different to all other podcasts? Because there's a joke in here. A small town lawyer calls his first witness to the stand in a trial an eight-year-old woman. He approached her and asked, Mrs. Singh, do you know me? She responded, Why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Kilkarney. I've known you since you were a young boy, and frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people and talk behind them behind their backs. Yeah, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. Not knowing else to do, he pointed across the room and asked Mrs. Singh, Do you know the defence lawyer? She again replied, Why, yes, I do. I've known Mr. Gupta since he was a youngster too. I used to babysit him for his parents. He too's been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy, bigoted, he's got a drinking problem. Man can't hold a normal relationship with anyone and his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yeah, I know him. At this point, the judge calls both lawyers to the bench. A very quiet voice said with menace. If either of you ask if she knows me, you'll be jailed for contempt. (laughs) Are we still rating them this week? That that was a that that was a solid seven point nine out of ten, and that's good. That's a good that gets a that's a good score for me. Thanks, Matt. Now let's look ahead to our next fixture against Fulham. So I feel we've already discussed it quite a bit on this podcast, but I'll, I'll just ask you guys. Are you feeling optimistic about this game? Yep, I am actually, which is weird to say after coming off the back of a 7-0 defeat to them last time out at Craven Cottage um, in a fucking library. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite positive. The, the points will come at some point and I, I'm relatively confident we'll get something here. Whether it's a win or not, I'm not quite sure. Obviously, um, form-wise, they're not doing so great either. Um, they're up in in 13th place, obviously, fairly better than us. But, yeah, I think we can get a draw out of it. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely way more optimistic about this one than I have been against the first two fixtures. Watching the West Ham game kind of really showed, you know, the progress that we've made as a club, I feel, through uh, the first three games in the Premier League. So, yeah, I feel... It's definitely one of the ones where we have a lot more of a chance. I think it's a lot like kind of what Ollie said earlier. The the next few coming fixtures are really 
the point where we have to start picking up points if we're able to. So, yeah, I feel I feel pretty optimistic about this. Uh, I, I'm inclined to agree with both of you. I'm optimistic. This isn't the Fulham of last season. Jao Paulinia is sort of agitating for a move. It could go one or two ways. Either he could look to dazzle to try and get a better move than Bayern Munich, or alternatively, he can continue to sulk through his toy out, toys out the pram and decide to, you know, rot in the reserves until January until they sell him. Also, Alexander Mitrovic moving on. That's been very bad for Fulham. Although Raul Jimenez has like hit the post twice, I've been reliably informed by a Fulham fan he hasn't filled the boots from Alexander Mitrovic in the slightest. So I'm I'm quite optimistic and I feel we could be leaving the cottage with three points. But we will never do score predictions on this pod because we are very superstitious. So let's wrap up this pod with a game of Hatter or Lower. This week on Hatter or Lower, we have a very special guest. Welcome to the podcast, Simon Pitts. How are you getting on, Simon? Yeah, very well, thanks, Ollie. Good to be on. I'm delighted that you're on with us today. And uh, before we jump into Hatter or Lower, I just have a couple of questions. Your your statistical knowledge of Luton Town is incredible. You've written a book about it, the full record, which uh, for those who haven't read it, I recommend, you know, try and get your hands on it. How did your love of stats come about for Luton Town? It's a strange one. I think I've always had it. Um, I've always been interested in numbers and facts and figures and obviously being a Luton fan since a young boy, the two just sort of coincided as and when I was able to have time and the ability to to do something about it. So, yeah, right through sort of school and university and that um, didn't take long to get the Stato nickname. Just carried it on and just loved doing it. Yeah, just got a big interest in facts and figures. So what was your first game as a fan? So that was back in December 1983 when we beat West Brom two goals to nil. Do you remember who the scorers were that day? Yeah, it was Trevor Aylott and a Brian Horton penalty. Uh, I might even have those names on this hatter or lower for you. But no, no looking, no looking. (laughs) And how did you get involved with the club in your current position? So it goes back quite a few years, actually. I, I was travelling to games um, from when I used to live in Suffolk and didn't do every home game, but one I did um, during the 97-98 season, uh, there was an advert in the programme and they just got some funding for partially sighted fans to have a hearing unit and they wanted uh, a volunteer commentator to basically talk the game, you know, commentate on the game for these fans that had had got these units. So I answered the the programme advert um, had a trial for a game and they liked what they heard and as they say the rest is history it's just snowballed from there really that that was the starting point was was just getting that opportunity back in January 98. Oh it's amazing and you've become sort of synonymous with the sound of Luton Town as we've gone up through the divisions some of my best memories were from that conference year like hearing you commentate on the on you know, some of the drubbings that we were handing out to teams in that John Still season in the conference. But who's your favourite Luton Town player of all time? Oh, that's that's a tricky one. Uh, I mean, there's been so many when you I was You can give younger. us a top five if you like. 
Yeah, I can give you a few names. I mean, there's been so many great players. There's been some players that I've got to know personally, um, obviously, over the years in the role that I've had. I mean, if I go back to my younger days when, you know, I was a fan um, watching on the, the top flight era, then, you know, I remember the likes of Paul Walsh, Brian Steen, Mick Harford, Ricky Hill, you know, they were all top class players and, and the big names. You know, as, as a young child, selling a player was always upsetting. And I remember Paul Walsh going was the first time that I can really remember that emotion. Um, and then for several years, it was always Brian Steen and Mick Harford, you know, the, the goal scorers. Um, I played up front a bit myself in my younger days. So I think uh, you sort of looked at the goal scorers at the same time when you were a kid. Um, but since then, there's been so many players. And as I say, I, I wouldn't like to pick out um, some without missing out others that, you know, I've got to know really well and have been great people um, since I've been at the club. But um, certainly from from my younger days when I was a, a young boy watching, then they'd be the names that I instantly remember. But moving on to modern times, who's your current favourite player in the squad? Oh, I certainly wouldn't like to give a name currently. I I think I'd uh, get some grief off of the, some of the other lads for, for that. But we, we've got some great players um, in, in the squad. And, you know, we've we've obviously really had to enhance um, the, the quality as well going up into the Premier League for this season. But, you know, I'm just, just really enjoying the, the squad of players that we've got and, and watching on, uh, you know, there, there's some cracking lads in there and... Uh, you know, a really good bunch. Oh, you swerved that like an absolute champ. But <laughs> shall we crack on and play some hatter or lower? Yeah, the pressure's certainly on now, isn't it? You're going to do so well today. I know that because not only are you Stato, you've literally written the book about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big You'll difference between having them all on a computer and putting it onto paper than trying to remember all the names and the appearance numbers off the top of your head. Oh, well, you'll be fine. Hatter or Lower is powered by Hatter's Heritage, a website that does the important job of preserving the history of our club. They always need volunteers, and you can check them out at hattersheritage.co.uk or get in touch by Googling Hatter's Heritage. And that's exactly what I've done to get the names and appearance totals of 20 Hatters. Then I ask, who played more, player A or player B? And the contender has to guess who made more appearances for the Hatters and try and get as high up on our leaderboard as possible, which you can check out on our website. And it's now time to play Hatter or Lower, and this week's contender is Simon Pitts. How are the nerves? Yeah, it's, the pressure's on now, isn't it? When when I sort of listened to your others and, and gone through, and you sort of, I've done all right on most of them, um, but yeah, the pressure's on now, and I'm, it's uh, live recording and, you know, trying to think off the top of your head, and it's trying not to outsmart yourself and, sometimes the obvious is the obvious and sometimes it isn't so go with your first instinct okay i'll yeah. start you off with a nice heavyweight clash nice and easy okay go who on. played more mick harford or david moss so harford had two spells with us i think david moss correct mick harford played 217 times for luton town over his two spells david moss 245 up and running yeah look at that one for one can we stop there it's 100 percent now (laughs) no unfortunately not we got nine more to get through okay next up who played more clive goodyear or jason reese clive goodyear although because he's he was back at the club for quite a while 
um, doing other things. So that name obviously rings a bell. It's tight. I don't think either of them made a hundred. Jason Reese, I obviously saw more of. I think Clive, I think he was in and out. Clive Goodyear. Correct. Clive Goodyear played 99 times for Luton Town. Jason Reese, 96. Oh, Clive was Goodyear close. was indeed back at the club. It was close. And where, when you said neither of them made 100, I was like, oh! So, yeah, he's, he's absolutely nailing these stats. Incredible. Absolute scenes right here. Clive Goodyear was back at the club. He was the physio when I started going to Luton mm. Town. Who played more, Peter Holmes or Rowan Vine? Right, so Rowan Vine was on loan for a season, then joined for a season. So Peter Holmes was... Rowan Vine. Incorrect. Oh, no. Peter Holmes played 127 times for Luton Town. Oh, Rowan wow. Vine, 111. Oh, again, not a lot in it. I was very surprised there. No, yeah, not a lot in it. I was, thinking. I was surprised myself. Peter Holmes. I don't know where those 127 appearances came from for Peter Holmes. Who played more, Tom Craddock or Jack Marriott? Tom Craddock was non league days. Again, I don't. Oh, Craddock, was he there as long as Marriott? You don't. You're two slightly different eras here, which doesn't help. Why you requested anything after the I know, I did. I put myself a challenge, didn't I? I I said, I think Marriott. Correct. Tom Craddock. Tom Craddock played 86 times for Luton Town. Jack Marriott, 91. Again, a very, very tight one. I think he had a lot of sub appearances. He did indeed. He was a super sub for us, whereas Tom Craddock Mm. was pretty much... First name on the on the team sheet in the conference years after Mark Tyler. Who played more, Paul Schowler or Trevor Aylott? Oh, mentioned Aylott as well, um, but he didn't. I don't think he was with us that long because. So that was the beginning. That was eighty three when I saw him. Paul Schowler. Yeah, he was in a, but he was injured a lot, wasn't he? So although he was with us, oh, this I don't. I'm going to talk myself out of this one, I think. But I want to say, Shaula, uh, trust your instincts. Is that your final answer? Yeah, sh- I just yeah, let's go with Shaula. Correct. <laughs> Paul Shaula played 37 times for Luton Town. Trevor Aylott. 35. Oh, I did. You know, with Shallery, he was, he was always injured, but Absolutely he seemed to be around. Smashing the time. He scored a few decent goals as well. Trevor Aylott, as I say, just purely because the early 80s is, I can vaguely remember the name and obviously I saw him score, but yeah, it was, didn't think he'd been there that, you know, played that many. They both scored some tremendous goals. Uh, Paul Showler's goal against Watford was a particular highlight of mine. I remember that very well. And Trevor Aylott scored a fantastic goal against Aston Villa in our first That's season. Right, yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that one on footage. Next up, who played more, Raddy Antich or Brian Horton? Oh, surely that's got to be Brian Horton. Correct. 
Radian Teach played 108 times for Luton Town. Brian Horton, 132. Oh, it's closer than I was thinking then. That's one of the, the longer ones out of uh, what I've given you so far, which have been very tight. Who played more, Kerry Hughes or Steve Foster? Foster was around in the 80s. Kerry Hughes. Kerry Hughes was with us quite a few seasons, but again, he had a broken leg, didn't he? They both hit, I know they both got over 200 because I remember them being, when I was doing the book and the, the high ones, they're up high, they're over 200. I think Foster, I think Foster, I'll go with, yeah, because of Hughes' injuries, I think Foster. Correct. Kerry Hughes played 205 times for Luton Town. Steve Foster, 212. Who played more, Alex Lawless or James Collins? Right, now this one I do know, because Alex Lawless, he made um, his 200th against Oxford. So I know he made 200 because I've got a signed team sheet. So I know he made 200 against Oxford and that he didn't play many more games after that. Colo, Colo play over 200? No. Oh, it's got to be Alex Lawless. Correct. Alex Lawless played 203 times for Luton Town. James Collins, 183. Yeah, just the fact I knew Alex had played 200 that swung that one. Who played more, Mark Pembridge or John Hartson? That has got to be Mark Pembridge because Hartson came in and I think was only with us because he got sold when I was at university in the mid-90s. I think it's Pembridge. Correct. You'll be surprised about this one. Mark Pembridge played 70 times for Luton Town. John Hartson, 63. That was closer than I thought, because I I saw Mark Pembridge score. You're talking about Aston Villa earlier. He scored a cracker in the last time we won a top-flight game. Um, That was at Kenilworth Road in 92. And a terrific strike outside the area at the Kenilworth Road end. Yeah, that's one of those where just felt he played a lot more. But of course, two young players both sold for a lot of money. And both sold very, very early too. Mm. And the final question. Who played more, Marcus Heikkinen or Paul Underwood? Underwood, a great player, left side. Heikkinen, Finnish international. Heikkinen wasn't with us long, was he? Underwood again, another player that was out. I'm going to go hiking him. Correct. Marcus Heikkinen played 77 times for Luton Town. Paul Underwood, 72. Oh, five in it. Well, Simon, there was five in it. It was very tight. But Simon, you are top of the leaderboard. You smashed that. Nine out of ten. Oh, wow. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, Incredible. The, the pressures Absolute are great. Um, there were one or two. I think the others that I've listened to, eight is the highest I've ever got um, on one of them. And, uh, but again, you talk yourself out. So if you get the, the luck of the draw and you pick the right one on some of them, one or two others, you know, as I've said, there's things that you remember clearly so you know. So the Alex Lawless one for me was, was straightforward because, you know, I knew he'd got over 200 and I didn't think Colo had, but some of the others where it's so close, especially different eras as well. When you split 
a player from the 80s with a player from the 90s and you're trying to think well okay I know the name and but uh, yeah certainly yeah certainly pleased to have uh, not disgraced myself put it that way far from disgraced yourself you you've become the early pacemaker this season that's us done for this week you can listen back to our post-match phone-ins across all podcast providers and our youtube please check out our socials we are Luton Town on Facebook we are Luton Town on Twitter the Walt podcast on Twitter we are also on TikTok Instagram Telegram Discord and Reddit you can find all of these on our website wearelutontown.co.uk follow across all socials to be involved in monthly giveaways including Beard Surgeon Beard Oils Blackstar Fly 3 Amps and Luton Town Shirts thank you all for tuning in We'll see you after Fulham. Sports Social Podcast Network.